So when we look at what's going on uh, down at our southern border, I think us Japanese Americans have a pretty unique perspective on um, what's happening down there. And we see a lot of similarities with the concentration camps of World War II with the Japanese Americans. So what do you, what's your take on what's happening down there and what can we do going, moving forward? Well, in the last uh, couple of months, including uh, last week when uh, there was a really great rally, a big rally at the Japanese American National Museum Plaza with a whole huge group coalition of uh, primarily Japanese American political, social, community organizations coming out around the issue of the reopening of Fort Sill uh, as a detention center, concentration camp, whatever term you want to use, for adolescent immigrants, uh, refugees, again, whatever term you want to use, trying to get into the United States. Um, also, prior to that, uh, we had the 50th anniversary of the Mastar Pilgrimage, uh, which acknowledges the incarceration of Japanese in concentration camps during World War II, but it connects uh, every pilgrimage the last 50 years to a contemporary political issue that sort of keeps the whole issue of putting people behind barbed wire or in camps people that you don't know what to do with or people that are in the way of whatever people are trying to do, consolidate the farming industry or they're, they're just a good convenient scapegoat for a problem. Um, people also went to a, a camp outside of Crystal City, Texas uh, that was being used for a detention center for uh, families that were trying to get into this country as refugees uh, or undocumented immigrants, as it were, uh, because it was a camp also used that Japanese Americans were put in during World War II. So Fort Sill, the reopening of Fort Sill, is a, hits the nail right on the head for several reasons. One, uh, it was a, a facility that was used uh, to incarcerate Native Americans. Uh, the most famous was uh, Geronimo uh, when he was a prisoner uh, in the American Indian Wars. And also was used to house 700 Japanese American community leaders during World War II. It wasn't one of the major 10 camps that the community wholesale was put in from the West Coast, but it was one of the facilities used to put in leaders in the community that got arrested in the first 24, 48 hours after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And then now it's being reopened as an adolescent camp uh, for refugees, immigrants trying to get into this country that are unaccompanied by adults and is inadvertently or directly a part of the family separation policy that Trump has used uh, trying to deal with the issue at the border. So it resonates across three major political uh, phenomena. 
One being, what did they do with the Indians in Manifest Destiny as they moved from the East Coast to the West Coast in American Indian tribes of very ilk. In the case of Fort Sill, it was Apaches that were in the way, so they had to be moved out of the way. And then during World War II, uh, the start of the World War II, there had already been a lot of clamoring going on about trying to get Japanese farmers, particularly out of the Central Valley, out of the way because they were the last remnants, the last stronghold against corporation farming after the Depression. During the Depression in the 30s, particularly in the California and on the West Coast, a lot of small farmers, uh, their farms collapsed and they lost their farms. And that's where an agribusiness started to manifest itself as corporations. Uh, that's why it's called agribusiness, not farming. And the ones that stood in the way were all these Japanese truck farms that were succeeding in a lot of places where others couldn't. So that was a part of the economic upheaval that was sort of the underpinning of the racism that put Japanese in camps during World War II. And now this issue of the crisis, the humanitarian crisis at the border, uh, immigrants, undocumented immigrants, people trying to seek asylum in this country as refugees are now going to be put in the camps. And it's not lost in terms of looking at history as well beyond that, because if you look at the first government agencies that were used when Japanese were put in camp was the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the BIA. And the reason the Bureau of Indian Affairs was the first government agency used to open up the camps that Japanese Americans were put in was because they had the experience putting American Indians on reservations. So it's all a part of a, a continuum relative to government policy. But the issue for me in terms of the crisis at the border, one, it isn't new. Uh, what's happening in terms of deportations and dealing with the issue of people coming from Central America through Mexico into the United States trying to do it legally or as seeking asylum or as refugees or as undocumented swimming across the Rio Grande is nothing new. And during the Obama administration, a lot of what's going on in the Trump administration was happening then too. And the difference, it seems, is that with Obama, with excuse me, Trump using this zero tolerance policy, his just his policy is just more extreme, taking what Obama did several steps farther down the road in terms of handling this issue. But it's not a new issue, nor will it be solved easily. That's why this whole wall thing is such a ridiculous approach to trying to solve the problem. Building the wall is going to stop this. No, it ain't going to stop it. It could be uh, part of it. Well, you know, boundaries mm -hmm. is the question. Borders is the question. How do you maintain the border? Yes, I, I agree. It can be a part of it. All I'm saying is building the wall itself is not going to do it. Yeah. Taking a step back, I think it's important to clarify why we use the term concentration camps for the World War II Japanese-American camps. I think that's a point of contention that comes up. Um, when when we make that comparison. So can you speak a little bit on why we use that term? Yeah, the, the, there are several points. Uh, the one that is really sort of hitting the press right now is that the AOC 
uh, used the term concentration camp in describing uh, the facilities that undocumented or those seeking asylum refugees on the border are being put in right now. She called them concentration camps. And some folks within the Jewish American community said that it really is uh, disrespectful to the term relative to what happened to the Jews. Uh, that was a similar issue that came up when the term concentration camp was being used to describe what Japanese were put in. Particularly, it was heightened with an exhibit at Ellis Island um, that uh, was put on, I think, either Smithsonian uh, Museum about Japanese-American camps, and so it created a real dialogue between the Japanese-American and the Jewish-American community about that term. Uh, but for me, I'm one of the founders of the Mansonar Committee and the first Mansonar Pilgrimage. And one of the things we did, we went on our first pilgrimage in 1969. Then about 1971-72, uh, we got a state historical plaque in bronze. I think it had a limit of, you had 92 words you could have cast in bronze to describe this historical phenomena. And you see them throughout the state. And in that bronze plaque, we got the term economic greed and concentration camp in bronze. And it caused quite a stir and quite a, a, a controversy. But the point I have made, and not my, me only, but others, but the point I have made is it's a matter of POV, point of view, perspective. From the outside looking in, you can use whatever term or spin you want to put on something to make it palatable for public consumption, for PR purposes. So the term concentration camp really is uh, a, a pretty benign determination, a camp where people are concentrated. It's when you look at it from a point of view that gives it life. So from the outside looking in for Japanese Americans during World War II, the government called them internment camps, relocation centers, and then uh, in the process of uh, bringing Japanese together before they were shipped off to these camps, they were put in assembly centers. I mean, terms that you could use that were publicly palatable. But if you're on the inside looking out, then what do you call it? And that's where we came up with the term concentration camp. Relative to the Jewish phenomenon of the Holocaust, which is at a whole totally different level. Uh, the Holocaust compared to what happened to Japanese Americans, it, it's not even, we're not even talking apples and oranges. It's totally different. But the descriptions I've seen at the Museum of Tolerance and other places is from the inside looking out, it was called a death camp. Right. Outside looking in, a concentration camp. Inside looking out, it was a death camp. Outside looking in for Japanese Americans, it was relocation center, assembly center, relocation camp. From the inside looking out, concentration camp. These camps that asylum seekers and refugees are being put in, they could call them whatever they want, detention centers, detention facilities, whatever term seems palatable or, or works PR-wise 
they might even be testing them in terms of what are more acceptable. I'm not surprised if they didn't do that. But from the outside looking, from the inside looking out, I don't think these uh, Central American or Mexican refugees are calling them concentration camps. I'm sure they're calling it something in Spanish. I'd like to find out what that term is. So I think really to look at that issue, point of view perspective is really critical. And it's like the point of view from the jailer to the prisoner. And what does the jailer call it? And what does the prisoner call it? In this particular case, I think anybody on the outside saying it's this, that, or another, they can use whatever term they want, either politically one way or another. But what are the refugees calling it in Spanish? I'm sure they have some really choice terms they're using to describe these facilities. So the fundamental point is, for me is point of view, perspective. But the broader context that I really think is important is that this is not a new phenomenon. These camps and then this great rally with good speakers and good program, but the saying, the slogan they used was never again is now. I mean, we've used the term never again. I think even the Jewish community is never again. Never let it happen again. Well, it's happening again, just like with American Indians, just like Japanese Americans, just like how they're treating Muslims in this country. You know, people wanting to put them, put them all in camps. You know, it keeps coming up. And these camps relative to refugees and immigrants is the same situation. So the, the thing that's getting lost in this political debate, because there's going to be facilities on the border, because the issue of people trying to get into this country is an ongoing issue. I don't care if it's Democrat or Republican, it's going to be an issue. How you handle it, uh, you know, some people are claiming that some of the Democrats want open borders. I don't think anybody wants or can publicly say they want open borders. You know, and then the other extreme is put up walls and put up barriers and don't let people come in. We have to go back to what the fundamental issue is, which is a comprehensive immigration policy, particularly from the South, from Mexico and Central America. And I think what needs to be done is something that the governor tried to do already, and she's short term in office so far, is that Governor Newsom went down to Central America to meet with community leaders and government leaders to talk about this whole issue. Uh, I don't know if he was doing it just to preempt Trump, President Trump, but I think he's really smart relative to looking at the issue from the context of it's not just the border that the issue is the issue. The whole issue is these countries all connected together, and he should put together a summit and develop a Western, North, Central America policy to look at, and he's committed some money to looking at how to help in Central American countries relative to keeping people from trying to come north because they have no future in those countries. But they need to put a summit together, like they talk about a G5 summit. They need to put a summit together to have the countries sit down and talk about how can we work together on this issue. 
and we have to look at a comprehensive immigration policy. We have to revisit the issue of a, a path to legalization. People are not going back. They're not leaving. Okay, what are we talking about? I know the term amnesty is really a red-button issue for a lot of people, but we have to look at the issue of a path toward legalization. We have to get this DACA thing about the children that were born of undocumented parents that come into this country that were born here at an early age. They should become citizens in a pretty fast-track way. We have to come up with a comprehensive policy in immigration that I know is not likely during this presidential uh, campaign uh, situation that we're in, but that's what we got to do. I don't care who wins in 2020, it's still going to be an issue. And how to detain them, how to stop them, how to be humane, how to make immigration work is going to be a challenge for Democrats, Republicans, it doesn't matter. And we all have to start working on it. But I think one of the things we really need to look at is what Governor Newsom has already started and hopefully will carry through is a multi-country strategy to look at this whole issue. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a fundamental issue with the whole MAGA mindset, right? It's, it's us, it's the U.S. above everybody else screw everybody essentially that's what that's what it's saying screw everybody else we're we're focusing on us but that's ignorant considering we're connected by land we're connected by by sea by technology there's just you can't ignore international relations but it's magnified when you talk about a situation like this I, I was listening to a podcast um, where the guest was a um, he was Mexican, but he spent he trained um, m- military and police in, in the United States, and he talked about the the perspective of people that live in. Like-